Happy New Year, everybody. Did you miss me? I surely did miss you. You know, I, I have trouble taking vacation and taking my mind off work. So I'm so glad to be back. We're now ready to get back in the swing of things. But for anyone who is new here, hi, I'm Kalila Reynolds, and welcome to another live edition of Taking Stock. We're bringing you all the latest business news and telling you how it will affect you and your money. Remember to head over to my website, kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter once this live has ended, or you could just open a new tab in your browser if you're watching on a, <clears throat> on a laptop, uh, and then get the newsletter straight to your inbox twice a week so you don't miss important information and alerts. Also, remember, I see a lot of you already on. Hit the like button and subscribe to the channel, and let me know in the comments where you're joining us from this evening. Now, here's a look at what's coming up in tonight's show followed by what's hot in business and come on let's get this money we've got your 2023 stock picks with financial analyst john jackson and hot picks on jamaica and the u.s markets from our analyst panel and cornerstone boss paul simpson is giving away 100,000 us dollars to five lucky business owners find out how you can apply but first, here's What's Hot, brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. Mayberry Investments is upsizing its bond offer to $7 billion. The investment company was originally seeking to raise $5 million across four different bond categories. Tranche 4, which matures in 36 months and pays 12% interest, was the first to be fully subscribed. Mayberry said that due to excess demand, it is upsizing the entire bond and extending the closing date to Friday, January 20. Tranche 1 pays interest of 9.25% per year and matures in 13 months. Tranche 2 matures in 18 months and pays 10% interest, while Tranche 3 matures in 24 months and pays 11% interest. You need at least $20,000 to participate in this offer. New business owners have the opportunity to access up to 110,000 US dollars in grant funding through the Pitch Deck competition. Pitch Deck JA is led by Stocks on the Rocks founder Simon Johnson and Cornerstone boss Paul Simpson. It allows entrepreneurs the chance to access capital and receive business mentorship. 30 finalists will have the chance to present their pitch live to a panel of judges. Five winners will be selected to receive their share of the grant. Applicants must be between the ages of 18 to 40, and the business must have been registered in Jamaica between March 2018 and November 2022. Simpson has committed 100,000 US dollars, while CEO of iCreate Institute, Aaron Wilson, has added 10,000 US dollars towards the grant. Apply at pitch.ja.com by end of day on January 11. Newcomer to the lending space, Ultra Financia, is already making a big splash, lending $250 million in its first two months. Ultra, a subsidiary of Dollar Financial, began operations on October 21, 2022, targeting the luxury asset-based lending space. The company lends $500,000 to $150 million against non-traditional assets such as luxury watches, luxury and classic cars, property, jewelry and designer handbags. Ultra CEO David Henriquez told the Jamaica Observer that loans have been as short as two months up to a year. He says they have lent against high-value properties in affluent areas, fleets of vehicles and select financial assets. According to Henriquez, the company holds about $1 billion in collateral relative to the $250 million loan book. 
The United States Embassy in Cuba is reopening visa and consular services following a five-year shutdown. The embassy said it will begin processing immigrant visas with priority on permits to reunite Cubans with family in the United States and others like the diversity visa lottery. The U.S. government is expected to give out at least 20,000 visas a year. Visa and consular services were closed on the island in 2017 after embassy staff were afflicted in a series of health incidents and alleged sonic attacks that remain largely unexplained. Southwest Airlines is facing a 825 million U.S. dollar price tag as a consequence of cancelling hundreds of flights over the holidays. The airline cancelled over 16,000 flights during a busy week of holiday travel. It placed some of the blame on a deadly winter storm in the U.S. and Canada. In a filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the company said it expects to lose as much as 425 million direct revenue from the mass cancellations. Other costs, including passenger reimbursements and extra pay for employees, will bring the price tag as high as 825 million U.S. dollars. The airline said it was making progress on processing refunds for customers and working to return lost luggage. What's Hot was brought to you by JMMB Group, your best interest at heart. This segment of Taking Stock is brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency, insurance made easy. All right, welcome back, welcome back. First, let's shout out all our viewers. Let me see who had the first comment tonight, and that honor went to Jason McKenzie. Big up yourself, Jason, who says, what a way to kick off the new year. Akila X says, first time I've been able to catch the live in a while. Good vibes. Very happy to have you, Akila Kish. One of our day ones says, happy new year, everyone. Let's get this money. 2023, absolutely. Finessing Finance says, wait a minute. I see a hundred thousand US dollar giveaway in the thumbnail. And then also wants to know, I'm sort of wondering, are my eyes deceiving me? No, they're not deceiving you. And you would have seen just now in What's Hot what that is all about. And they're going to be on to tell us all about this giveaway as well. The deadline is tomorrow. So if you have a business that needs grant funding, this is free money. Make sure that you don't miss this opportunity and watch that interview coming up. Raquel says, good night. Uh, wait, Kalila, good, uh, good into overdrive for 2023. Always a stay in overdrive, right? Antoinette says, greeting from Arizona. Big up yourself, Antoinette. Big up LeVar, also day one. Raquel, another day one who says, I look like success. I look like money. That's the objective, right? We try to inspire people through appearance, among other things. So 2022 was a lot more than a handful. We had constant rate hikes. We had inflation. We even had a new IMF agreement at the end of the year. You can check out that video on Instagram and TikTok. But what should we be looking forward to in 2023? And what stocks should we be looking out for as well? Let's also look back at 2022 and forward at 2023. Joining me to discuss what you as an investor uh, should possibly have your eye on is financial analyst and CEO of icinsider.com, John Jackson. Hi, John. Welcome back to the show. You're muted, John. Hello, Kalina. There we go. Yes, yes, And yes. all the best for the new year. Happy new and year to you. Hope for prosperity for you and all your viewers and your family. I wish I had some rum in here to, to toast you and say Happy New Year. It's just water, but yes, Happy right. New Year. Water is a good thing. 
Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's been a while since I've seen you in person. We need to change that soon. How was your Christmas? It was good. Family, quiet, you know, it was great. Yeah, so 2022. From locally and overseas, right, all here, and we got together. Lo lovely day. Nice. Same, same. I had my mom and dad here, and my daughter was here, so I had an amazing Christmas. Christmas Absolutely. tree don't even come down yet. <laughs> but looking back at 2022, it was quite an interesting year on the market. We're going we're to see later on in the program that the combined market was down, I think, 10%. The main market down 16%. No, the main market was down 8%. Some, some so. Junior market was up 16%. Main market down 10%. Combined market down 8%. Yes, those are the numbers. And that's locally here in Jamaica. So reflecting, what would you say, uh, what are your thoughts coming out of 2022 into 2023? Well, 2022 is behind us. And... Um... We know a number of things that happen there. They, there are some positives if, if people do the analysis um, and there are lessons to be learned um, from developments last year. And what one sees is that the market continues to be a market of two halves. The junior market behaves in a different manner than the main market. And it's understandable, junior market companies are ones that are likely to grow faster than the main market companies, and that's sort of reflected in the stock, stock performance. Um, I think there were some six or so stocks on the junior market that more than doubled, with Fosswich ending up with a 321% increase in, 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 in the price. Um, the highest performing main market stock was 1834 um, went up 82 percent and that was primarily due to the the absorption of of um 1834 into rgr um at a, an agreed price um the next best was a down was up about 60 odd percent if my memory serves me right and there were more than half of the junior market stocks went up um 31 i think in in total and it was 21 in the main market so even in a down market if one is careful, money can be made. And that's one of the critical lessons. Um, interestingly, the level of trading last year showed that the main junior market had 11 months where the, the value of trading was in excess of those for the 11 months of the previous year. So in the month of December, that trading in the junior market was lower than the previous year. Um, the main market had exactly two halves. The first half of the year, trading values were higher than they were in the previous year. In the second half, all the months showed lower trading values than the year before. Um, but uh, you know, the worst is behind us. Interest rates peaked from April last year using the Treasury bill rates, not the overnight rate. Um, so the market actually pushed rates up to a peak in April. And they have remained pretty much at that level for most of the period up to now. Um, a slight downtick, but I believe interest rates have peaked and inflation has been coming down. Interest rates all of last year were lower than the year before. Um, and the, the, the average inflation rate is well below what the public have been told it is. 
So I expect interest rates to start trending down sometime during the course of this year. And um, I expect certainly the junior market to continue to perform very well. I think it's going to be an exceptionally good year for junior market stocks. And a pretty mm. good year, I, I believe, will be the case for main market stocks, barring un, unforeseen negative developments. Why do you think it will be exceptionally good, your word, for a junior market this year? Well, there are two, two factors. One is so far the junior market stocks have not yet fully discounted some of the profits of the companies. Um, and this year in 2023, they're coming together of a boom time in tourism. Tourism is going to be fabulous um, for this year compared to 2019 and compared certainly to last year. So it is going to create a significant increase in, in increased values and profitability for companies. Um, and, and there are a number of companies that are gonna benefit significantly from the tourism uptick. Companies such as CPJ, um, Dolphin Cove, R2 and Express Catering that are directly linked to the industry and will benefit significantly. The evidence started to appear from last year, CPJ, Dolphin Cove, um, and everything fresh and a few others, their profits and revenues were actually buoyed by the resurgence in the tourism sector. Right. Because when, you then, think, when you think tourism, a lot of people, when they think tourism, they're just thinking direct tourism companies, hotels and uh, companies like Dolphin Cove. But you also have to think companies that service the tourism sector, like your everything fresh and your CPG. That is, that is absolutely correct. And then Dolphin Cove, and provides a service to um, well, both local local persons as well as foreigners, um, and they have seen some the, their best performance, even as the tourism trade was not back to normal last year, um, and it's, it's it's just going to be fabulous for a number of companies, and and the Jamaica broilers have spoken about benefiting from from increased sales to the tourism trade. And that should get even better now that the industry is back to normal and is certainly um, growing at a very, very well. What you have is pent up demand that two or three years of growth is probably coming into, into one. Um, and that's what you're probably seeing. One of the companies that stood out, I think, in 2023 was iCreate. One of the uh, papers dubbed them the comeback kid. They turned things around financially. The stock price went up significantly. What lessons can we learn as investors from that? <laughs> You're asking me a tough question. Um, I'm not quite sure. The, the, there's a lot of speculation in the market as far as that stock is concerned. Um, yes, they're showing some improved profitability. My concern is that I'm I'm not satisfied that the management is yet at the stage where I, I could recommend investment in the company. Um, it's very speculative, and they they talk about doing a number of things. Um, I believe at times investors should at times wait to see the fruits of of our labor or the fruits of labor of others. Um, but it, 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 it tells you it's not the first time. I mean, Goodyear Jamaica was struggling for the first couple, number of years that it was in existence, and they turned it around, and it became a very profitable company. And, and many persons who 
stuck around or bought it in the early days, ended up making good money from it. So that money can be made from distressed companies. We just have to know when to get in and which ones to get in, get in on, uh, because not all of them are, will turn out to be successful. It seems that I create the management is putting some things together to, to that has started to turn it around. Um, I, I just think that it's a little bit too, too early for people to be overly bullish about the prospects. And yes, they are acquiring um, another entity, but acquisitions sometimes can work out very well and sometimes it may not work out well. So one has to be a little bit careful. So we have some questions in the chat from our viewers. Let me start getting to those. Uh, first one comes from Jason Williams, who wants to know how many IPOs do you think we'll get this year? I can't. I, I, I <laughs> that's hard to say. But I, how many? I, can't say. I don't have any information, and and it's, that would you be must have heard at least about some who plan to list. Do you know? La any well, I don't. I, I don't know many. I know one which I'm which associated one? with. Um, Caribbean Dreams that's likely oh, to list okay. in in 2023, and there were one or two others that I've spoken about. I would, I would believe that you're probably going to be looking at maybe six. I think Mayberry talks about having maybe three in, in the kitty looking at. Um, so it could be it could be another six or ten thereabout. I would I would surmise would probably be coming to market. Uh, speaking of Caribbean dreams, Jason also wants to know about that listing. If QWI or JamT investors will benefit from it, um, I'll say wait and see. Um, we'll see how it goes. Um, that decision has not been fully taken in all respects. In some res some aspects of it, it has been discussed, and um, there's some thought process as to how it will be dealt with. But I I see no. Well, there are some restrictions now, a different type of scenario, my understanding, is in terms of giving special people preferential prices in the market. I think the FSC is frowning on that. So it's, it, um, that is going to be for subject. reserve pools? Sorry? Meaning for the reserve pools? I Well, that's the impression I, I, I've gotten. Um, I don't know if that has been fully implemented. But uh, as you see, a number of the issues that have been coming forth, all, all, most of them are priced at one level. That's true. So only probably loan conversions have been have been um, given a differential pricing. I and have no. The, the loan conversions don't have to be part of the IPO. They can be. They can. Those shares can be issued before the IPO, or they can be issued after. Right. So mergers and acquisitions were a trend last year as well. Do you think that's going to continue this year? I think it's going to continue for several years to come. Um, a number of things we have to remember. A lot of Jamaican business persons are, and within the Caribbean um, have reached retirement age. Many of the families, the, 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 the younger generation have migrated. They don't intend to come back. And if they even combat many of them are not interested in, in, in running those businesses, in which case those businesses are going to be available to be acquired. Um, and and, and you know, a number of that is taking place now. And I think the Panjam um, Jamaica 
producers link up, especially fueled, I believe, by some of those factors. So family members mature in age and they don't have successes to take over. So they're looking, they'll look for an opportunity to sell to some other entity. And I think that is going to increasingly be before us as we go forward. Mm. You know, earlier in the program, when we just started, you said that you expect the JSC main market to do pretty well this year. So you said exceptional for the junior market. And you're talking about the JSC main market also rebounding. I don't know if you saw an article in the Gleaner written by Stephen Jackson recently under the headline, JSC main market expected to struggle in 2023. Uh, obviously, you disagree with this. So let me hear your thoughts on that. Well, the, what I believe when I read the article that some of the persons who give their views, um, they are looking at interest rates probably rising. Um, that's a nonsensical, but that's a view that I disagree with. Um, I think rates will, will decrease. They have probably peaked. Inflation is coming down, and you are likely to see months of deflation um, in Jamaica between now and probably March, April. It's, it happens on, on many occasions. I would not be surprised with the price of oil coming down and other commodity prices, as well as shipping rates. All those things are, many of those things are feeding into, into lower cost now for businesses. And some of that is going to um, be seen in pricing. So you are likely to be in a deflationary environment. The other factor is that the, what I spoke about with the tourism um, upsurge, the flow of foreign exchange is going to be very buoyant in the first four months of the year. Um, and why do I say that? If you take into consideration that the tourism numbers were down 22% last year versus 2019, um, and that the remittances are up about a billion dollars over what they were in 2019. Those remittances are likely to remain pretty much around those levels based on what you would have seen last year and the year before. It might, it might come down a little. It may go up a little bit. But what is going to happen, the tourist trade coming back, it means that we have roughly a billion dollars more um, of foreign exchange inflows that we didn't have in 2019 or going into 2020. Um, and therefore, the, with interest rates higher, it means that demand for foreign exchange would normally be, be lower as a result. So the combination of those factors, the resurgence and the reopening of the Alcor pla uh, plant, the Jamalco plant, Mm -hmm. means more foreign exchange. And I expect the BPO sector to grow. Um, one of the interesting features of the tourism market is that understanding that rates are much higher now than before. And the demand for tourist, Jamaican tourism is at an extremely high level. So the early signs are December. The NIR, I think, is over $4 billion as we speak. Um, but I expect it to end up the year at about $4.1 billion, which would be a record level of NIR at the end of a fiscal year. Uh, sorry, not the end of a fiscal year, any monthly figure, end of month figure. 
that would be a record level. Um, and therefore, it is quite probable that the NIR will continue to increase right through until April or thereabout, um, which means that Bank of Jamaica, part of the increase in interest rates was meant to have retained restrained demand for foreign exchange. Um, a part of it is really was just to match interest rates with treasury bill rates that were already at 8% from April, as I indicated earlier on. Um, so the, the flow of the foreign exchange is going to be in favor of a reduction in interest rates. And mm. so easing in, 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 in the liquidity, tight liquidity that we know are experiencing. Uh, I'm that's not a, that's tell a very you. interesting take, though, John, because I, I feel like there have been other companies that are banking on an expectation that interest rates will continue to rise. And we're seeing that in the bond offerings coming to market. Mayberry's big uh, bonds that they marketed as a bond IPO with a fixed interest rate up to, what is it, 11 point something percent, I think, or even 12, I think, is the highest. NCB also came with a big bond in December. Um, and that seems to indicate that they think otherwise, John. Well, let me put it to you, Khalil. I've been consistently stating that inflation is less than Bank Jamaica is suggesting it is for 2020, 2022. It has really? Been you go shopping? Did you shop or your wife shop? Because the government is, I've, I've shopped and I, I, I've, you know, I've seen, seen, um, the effects of, of price prices there. But the fact of the matter that supermarkets is only one part of the of the basket of, of goods and services. Um, and the reality is that if you look at the data that Statin has put out and you're looking at it on a month by month basis, you'll see that the rates have been coming down. Um, what has been the public has been sold a lie, so to speak, a semi-lie to suggest that the point-to-point -point inflation is suggest is indicating that inflation is getting worse. But the reality, the month-by-month -month figures, every single month, I think, maybe exception of one or two, last year were lower than they were in 2021. Um, and the average inflation for last year is probably around close about 7%, not the 9 or 10%. That's been bad. I'm talking about the official figures. I'm not talking about shopping in anything. But we do know that one of the big movers of inflation last year was the jump in fuel prices. Um, oil went up to 120, 120 dollars a barrel, and other things moved as well because of the Ukraine war. Um, those things have eased. We're now down to oil at 70 odd bar dollars a barrel now. Um, and we have a number of commodity prices that have actually come off their high point. Um, so those are factors that we cannot ignore. And interest rates will not remain where they are for much longer. They're going to start to ease down because the, the, the foreign exchange scenario is going to dictate that. And the inflation numbers that are going to come, the, 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 we, we run the risk that Inflation may fall below the four percent band for a prolonged period of wow, time. Wow, you think it's going to go that, that low? Well, if you look look at what is happening in our neighbors, North America, the inflation rate for 
the last two months, I think one month was 2.2%, another month was 0.1%. But we always um, come in higher than the U.S. Sorry? We always come in higher than no, the U.S. I don't, don't know. We, we're not always coming in higher than the U.S. But the point is that we have put on stringent, our rates are higher than the U.S. rates, interest rates, which means they are more restrictive. Um, we have taken liquidity out of the system um, by pulling 70 odd billion dollars in repos out of the system. And that moved up from 27% when they started to, 27 billion dollars when they started to increase rates. Um, anyhow, that's my that's my position, and I'm 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 basing my views on what is taking place in terms of inflation. Um, really, what is taking place, not an artificial thing that looks backwards. You can't look backwards in terms of what is happening in inflation. You have to look at what is happening now and what's likely to happen in the future. And what's happening currently is moderation in, in inflation, and that is likely to continue. So I believe by the end of the first quarter or thereabout, by the first half of the year, you start to see the market is going to start sending rates down. So right. even Bank of Jamaica doesn't do, react. The market is the market drove them, the Bank of Jamaica, to raise rates from April to 7%. They were well below 7% um, for most of the year. Um, the market is going to dictate this. Since it, the Treasury bill rates have peaked in April, they have slightly moderated down from 8.46% to an average of, I think, 8.17 or whatever was the last. Um, well, we'll rate. see if a year from now when we do our next annual review, if I can call you back and say, John, you were right. <laughs> we're going to see how it actually turned out. I feel like I could talk to you about this for another hour or two, but uh, we're out of time for this segment. Sorry, I didn't get to get to more of the questions from the viewers, but thank you so much for your take, John. You're most welcome. Have I spent the year again? Yes, we got to get to our next guest. We actually have two interviews today, and this is a special occasion. I've never done this on Taking Stock with two back-to-back -back interviews before the analysts. Uh, but before we get to that interview, let me do our poll question. I want you to comment below and also take this week's poll. So here's our poll question. What do you think will give the biggest return in 2023? Stocks, bonds, real estate, crypto? other leave a comment and let us know and you can take that poll on our youtube channel or on so it would be on the community tab of youtube sometimes it comes up on your mobile device when you're scrolling we also have that poll on linkedin and twitter what do you think will give the best return in 2023 stocks bonds real estate or crypto well now i have to get into like I said, another very important interview. I had to make an exception this week because this is such an exceptional uh, event that is happening. You have a chance, if you're a business owner, to win your share of 100,000 US dollars, not Jamaican dollars, you know, 100,000 US dollars in a competition called Pitch Deck. So joining me now to tell us more about this is founder of Stocks on the Rocks, Simon Johnson, and one of the judges for Pitch Deck, Mark Gale. Hi, Simon. Hi, Mark. Hi, Kalila. Hi, Kalila. Oh, big things for 2023, man. Big up yourself, Simon, for um, yeah, being one of the spearheading par partners behind Pitch Deck JA. Tell us about this competition. Yeah, man, no problem. So... Pitch Deck was born out of the need to, to link 
capital with entrepreneurs that need it. One of the, the challenges that Paul Simpson, who has put up the 100,000 US dollars um, for this competition, went through in his journey was actually getting over the hurdle of raising capital for his business. And being where he is now in business, the CEO of Cornerstone Group, he understands those, um, those challenges. And he felt the need to, to, to assist Stocks on the Rocks in putting on Pitch Deck to ensure that entrepreneurs who may need a share of this capital have an avenue to get it. That's one of the major hurdles that we're trying to try to scale. And Mark has really committed um, himself and his expertise, as well as Christopher Forbes, um, to to ensuring that the the quality of the competition is as good as possible. Absolutely. When I saw you advertise this on Instagram, I had to join the Twitter live to what if, um you guys call it. I don't use spaces. Twitter much. Space spaces, yeah, mm. to hear what it was all about. And Paul was on himself to talk about it as well. So what are the details? Uh, Mark, let me ask you, what are you looking for as a judge? So I mean, basically what we're trying to assess is you know, um, do you have, so, okay, so first and foremost, the money is grant free and, you know, so big up to Simon and big up Paul, you know, for putting his money where his mouth is. And so what we're trying to do, there are going to be five winners over five weeks. And um, what we're looking for are just, you know, people, you know, creating businesses. So it, it, we're not even looking for any particular verticals. So we're not looking for like, you know, a tech company or, you know, um, a pharmacy or, you know, a media entity or whatever it is. Just if you are if you are um, you know a Jamaican or in Jamaica and you're building a business in Jamaica, you can you know you you just basically submit your pitch and you know at all different stages if you're you know early in the in the life cycle or if you are advanced and you have revenue say if you're pre-revenue or if you have revenue, yeah, submit it because again it's free money it it, it comes with it's burden free as Simon and Paul says it doesn't come with any any strings attached. As a matter of fact, you know, we are, as a team, we're constantly trying to figure out how do we keep adding value, you know, and, you know, Simon can talk about it. You know, there have been people that that, that came on, I mean, in the middle of, of our announcement, Tyrone joined in as like an impromptu thing. And he just, you know, on, a, on an impromptu basis, you know, decided to, you know, add an additional 10 grand to the overall 100 grand, you know, um, Wayne Marshall joined and, you know, he committed to, you know, offering some promotional support as you can. And so like the, the support has been very, very um, kind of like heartwarming and encouraging. And and so our focus is really, is not trying to find, you know, any one particular business. It's more just, okay, how do we support entrepreneurship, right? And so that's, that's really and truly the focus. Um, so obviously the money is there, but even outside of the money, you know, the, the, the winners will get access to Paul's network, which... As you, I mean, you, you always hear that links run the place and, you know, networking and you should network and how powerful networking is. Um, the truth is that the reason that network, networking is so powerful is because business is risky, right? Like when you do business with other people, you are taking a bet with your money. And so what mm -hmm. you want to do is that you want to make sure that you're working with people that you trust. So working with people that you know and people in your network is a proxy for working with people that you trust, right? So it's one way to de-risk um, you know, of all the many risks that businesses and entrepreneurs have to face. So Paul has literally said, okay, not only am I putting up my cash, but I'm going to open my network um, to people 
to entrepreneurs so that you know they you know you can benefit and they can benefit the way that you know um he he currently um does you know and last week um you know we had a twitter spaces and one example of this is that um you know michael lee chin joined the twitter spaces and he was talking and you know he committed to supporting in any way he he can like you know like where can you where how, how often do you have a you know an initiative like this that is purely kind of um you know grassroots supported by jamaican entrepreneurs and supported by the community you know like this is a pure grassroots initiative um you know big up to simon for you know the platform and like ideating Totova and then paul committing you know his his network and and his his cash and you know i'm just doing the little that i can one of the things that i really love about this competition as well is that it's no strings attached it's grant funding there's no expectation your business can succeed or fail you are and you don't have to jump through hoops to get the money you yeah. don't have the stringent requirements associated with other grants so for example i did ignite last year and you know it's grant funding but there is a lot of requirements that goes into accessing the money because it's government money it's taxpayer money exactly it's well it's um it's all not, money. it's not government it's government idb or dbj I mean, sorry dbj not idb dbj yeah yeah it's government money so so yeah there's a lot that goes into accessing that but with this grant funding you don't have to go through all of that right simon yeah i mean once you have a business in Jamaica, once you, as Mark said, once business is registered here, um, registered between um, the period of March 2018 and, and at the end of 2022, and generally you can check the website www.pitchtechj.com. One great studio did an excellent job at creating the website within a very short period of time. Um, it's and, and another part, I guess the, the best part to me Kalila, uh, networking is important to me. And through Pitch Deck, participants, so not even just winners, participants will have the opportunity to grow their network and the amount of exposure that their business has. So we will have business leaders, not just within Jamaica, but across the region, tuning in on a weekly basis listening to these pitches you never know somebody might like your business idea and might even reach you might not win and somebody might reach out to you personally and say look mm -hmm. i love this idea i want to i want to invest in this way no the there there's no strings attached um but another thing that i love about this kalila is the support that we've already been getting so Mark mentioned that Wayne Marshall has opened up his his, his social media um, dynasty to support the winners of the, com the competition. He would have stated on our Twitter spaces that he would commit, once the message aligns with his audience, um, to promoting these businesses. How many new businesses, startup companies wow. can say that they would get your promotion for whatever type of business, whether you're selling... Um, bad suits, whether you're a lash specialist, whether you're a barber, whether you have a, a tech company, you have the opportunity to be promoted on a page that has hundreds of thousands and in some instances, millions of impressions. Another thing is that the PSOJ just today 
would have committed to give each one of the winners one year free membership um, wow. as, a, as a part of the organization. As you know, the PSOJ is the largest single body of private um, sector companies in Jamaica. And as such, you would have access to that network. So almost immediately, you have access to a network that can give you business advisory, mentorship, people to put on your board, so many things. And there's more. Spoke to Lauren today from Blue Dot. Lauren has always supported initiatives like this. Lauren has committed to giving each winner of Pitch Deck, um, you know, free access to his online survey tool so that wow. they can enhance their, you know, if you want to do a feasibility study on your product or if you want to do some market analysis and research, he's committing his platform um, and, and his team to supporting um, supporting the, the, the businesses there. And we've had quite a few professionals reach out anonymously to say, Simon, Mark, look, if you, if you come across a business that needs an auditor um, or needs somebody that with a specialty in accounting or a specialty in investments or various types of specialties, then reach out to us. We will speak to that business owner free of cost and That's we will amazing. open our network to them. That's amazing. I didn't even know all of these things, but from my listen to the spaces, the space last week, I just knew I had to get you guys on to spread the word about this initiative. Now, a lot of people in the comments are asking for clarification on the prize money because a hundred thousand yeah. US dollars, but it's split among five winners, right? Oh. So it's twenty thousand yes. each, right? I can I can I can explain that. So so when we started to ideate um about about pitch deck, well the one hundred thousand dollars was there. But we didn't want to split it, I mean, in consultation with, with, with Mark as well, you know, our resident startup strategist. Um, we didn't want to um, limit each business to, say, $20,000 each because different businesses, different entrepreneurs have different needs. So an entrepreneur might come and say, okay, I only want $3,000 and this is what I want to do with it and this is my business. But there may be another entrepreneur that says, I need $60,000 because their business is at a different stage and scale. So what we said is that we have of, of officially, well, Paul Simpson and Tyrone have committed their totals of 100000 US and 10000 US um, respectively um to the competition and as such it will be given on a needs basis so the grant will be given based on what you say you want so if you come and say look i need a grant for thirty thousand us dollars and this is what i need it for then if you win you'll get that thirty thousand us dollars there may even be an instance khalil and i'm just putting it out there where somebody might come and they say look we need more than a hundred thousand us or we need the entire hundred thousand us and the business model is excellent and the judges love it, I can tell you that there is a possibility that that person um, and that business generally can can get access access to that funding through Pitch Deck. You see, at I mean, based on your network, I'm there are some people I'm sure you hear it and it's, it's good <laughs> enough. They'll jump right in. Abs, abs, absolutely. Maybe not all grant funding, but uh, but there could be other opportunities. Yes, we, we believe that the... the the benefit here, uh, one of the other major benefits is exposure. So at Stocks on the Rocks, you know, we, 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 we kind of pride ourselves in being able to connect people and capital. 
and 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 that's something that myself and my team and Mark has dedicated um our our, our time our time to do and this is this is this is shown through what pitch deck is today and don't don't be surprised if you see this grow for season two yeah I saw somebody comment earlier the Jamaican shark tank <laughs> they love it except that shark tank is equity this is a grant this grant is your money is not mm -hmm. that easy to come by so guys if this is you if your business meets the requirement and producer i'm not sure if the link is in the description if it's not please put it in the description it's pitchdeckja.com you guys go to the website if you have an eligible business apply the deadline is tomorrow end of day tomorrow so stay up all, all night tonight if you have to and get your pitch deck ready apply and hopefully you make it to the semifinals that are going to be how's that going to work on it's going to be twitter spaces as well yes so so this this platform at least for this season uh is is over twitter uh so so of course the this this will be done the finals will be done over twitter uh, i just want to point out as well that the submission deadline is is tomorrow but we are doing the presentations over five weeks so um there will be a set of pitch decks that will be selected uh for um presentation next week um and then that will run through the week and the winners will be announced at the end of the week um and then that will go on for the next four weeks so it's five winners over five weeks so each 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 of that five days so check out the website guys check out the website we're going to put more information on the website pitchdeckja.com get your applications in now and put it in the put it in the description as well please producer so people can just click on the link and go directly to it thank you so much simon thank you mark and thank, thank you, you Kalila, for supporting Thank and you. I will be tuning in because I love stuff like this. Matter <laughs> of fact, right. I may even enter. <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> Looking forward to it. I mean, it's free money. Absolutely. Exactly. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks again, Simon. Thanks, Mark, for joining us. Guys, apply, apply. If you have a business, you guys are always complaining that nobody wants to fund businesses, especially early stage business. It's hard to get money. Here is an opportunity to win your share of 110,000 US dollars for your business. Even if you're at the idea stage, if the judges are impressed, that can be you, you know? So let's go to our market recap. This is our 2022 market recap, best and worst of the year. And then we come back with the analysts. This segment of Taking Stock was brought to you by Bulwark Insurance Agency, insurance made easy. Time now for your market recap for the year 2022. The JC Combined Index fell 8% in 2022. The main market was down 10%. But on the bright side, the junior market rose 16%. 68 stocks made gains last year, while 60 lost value and 3 stayed the same. Almost 10 billion shares changed hands on the Jamaican dollar market over the year, valued at $72 billion. Now let's see who had the biggest gains for the year. Fosrich was 2022's top stock. The company did a stock split in July and was up 332% to close the year at $3.91. Spurtree ended its first year on the exchange as the second biggest gainer. The company listed in January at $1 and was up 222% to close the year at $3.22. 
And a new name and new leadership helped MFS Capital become the third best performing stock of 2022. The stock was up 214% to close the year at $2.96. On the losing side now, ISP Finance was 2022's biggest loser down 54%. The stock closed the year at $17.49. T-Tech had the second biggest dip in 2022, down 47%, losing nearly half its value to close the year at $2.50. And Mailpack fell almost 45% to close the year at $2.02. Over on the Trinidad and Tobago Stock Exchange, the composite index fell 11% last year. Massey Holdings was the most traded stock. It closed the year at $4.50 TT. The stock was also the year's biggest loser, down almost 96%. But remember, they did a 20 to 1 stock split in March before cross listing on the JSC. Cinema One was the market's biggest gain, up 95% in 2022. It was a rough year for U.S. stocks. The Dow Jones dipped almost 7%, while the S&P 500 fell almost 17%, and the Nasdaq was down almost 29%. The top stock in the U.S. last year was Target Hospitality, up 325%. The company provides workforce lodging for oil and gas drilling. It's listed on the Nasdaq. Interestingly, all of the top 10 U.S. stocks in 2022 were either energy or pharmaceuticals, with gains of about 200% and up. The worst U.S. stock was IMAB Biopharma, a Chinese biotech a company listed on the Nasdaq. It fell 91%. Other bottom 10 companies included Coinbase and Bed Bath and beyond. At the pumps, gas prices actually went down last year. 87 gas fell $4.26, while 90 fell by $5.74. However, diesel prices went up a lot. Diesel rose by $46.17. And ultra-low sulfur diesel became $48 and more expensive per litre. In foreign exchange, the Jamaican dollar remained pretty stable in 2022. It closed the year at $152.05 for one US dollar, 91 cents stronger than a year before. Meanwhile, the JMD also gained $12 on the Canadian dollar and was $25 stronger against the British pound. It also gained $13 on the euro. Finally, on the crypto markets, Crypto Winter saw Bitcoin prices falling 58% in 2022. It was the same for Ethereum, down almost 57% for the year. This segment of Taking Stock, the Analysts, is brought to you by Jamaica National Group. We'll help you find a way. Never play the disclaimer. <laughs> Well, yeah, what a disclaimer say again, um, something to the effect that this is intended for educational purposes only. So the opinions expressed in this segment are intended for educational purposes only and is not intended as financial advice. Please consult a licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. Before I introduce our analyst panel for this evening, let me just read a couple of comments looking for the link. Yes, the link is there now pitchdeckja.com. It is in the description. You can click it in the description uh, to get to pitchdeckja.com. Christine mentioning that only 55 people have liked this video and I see 286 people watching right now. Shame, shame, shame. Come on, guys. You guys can do better than that. So give the video a like now. Uh, Learn, Grow, Invest says every YouTuber is struggle getting persons to like the video. Please don't be mean. See how much free information I give you every single week? Alicia Kendall Mays, give me, a, give me a little like, at least for the outfit. Give me a like for the outfit, no? <laughs> if nothing else. And of course, for that, uh, that awesome information from John and from Simon, Mark, and our analyst panel coming up 
as well. Uh, okay, so time now for the analysts. I'm joined by equity trader at JMMB, Clive Charlton, and financial consultant and CEO of Profit Jumpstarter, Keisha Bailey. Welcome back, Clive and Keisha. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, ready for ROI coming up. Ready, ready for my eyelash. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I wrote my speech. I've been struggling with my speech. And last night it just came to me. The whole thing just start to finish. And I gotta nice. say it's awesome. So. <laughs> and I see that 800 people are expected at this event in Puerto Rico. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, the pressure is on. 800 yeah, people from around the world are gonna hear me speak. Okay, <laughs> no big deal. Just a nice way to start 2023. <laughs> a great way to start 2023. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So let's talk stocks. Let's talk markets for this year. Clive, let's start with you. What's your market outlook for the coming year? You're muted, Clive. Yes. Uh, can you see me clearly now? Okay, yes. great. Yes. Okay. Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, a, a little bit more than cautiously optimistic. Um, there are opportunities in the market space. I mean, when we talk about opportunities and outlook, people think, oh, they're just going to say how many stocks will rise and how the indices will rise and people can make money. No, but there are other opportunities apart from just looking at rising prices in the stock market and making money by buying and selling. There are other opportunities in the market space. So um, even though my outlook, oh, sorry, am I there? Yes. Yeah, so my outlook really is cautiously, a little bit more than cautious or optimistic, right? Um, I believe that we're, we're more or less, there is always a lag reaction to many other policy decisions of our regulatory authorities, including the Bank of Jamaica, right? So, ex and for example, we see interest rate on loans, mortgages, et cetera, is going up now, and we expect further increase. In fact, several of us might have received notification from our, financial institutions on that part of it that you know our cost the cost will be going up credit card i received mine one percentage points so that is expected but also um financial institutions are beginning to have begun to increase our rates on their deposits especially term uh instruments and boj has begun to publish those and perhaps has prodded them somewhat so that again should perhaps marginally increase uh savings you know, people investing. Uh, I would hope, though, and I believe also, God, I, I, I have to keep my hand on the touchpad. Yeah. Now, I would hope and believe, though, that the, our capital market is developing, right? So um, people may not necessarily have to spend on non-durable and perhaps permanent goods, but hopefully we'll see a lot of resources shift into the, the investment sector, for example, the stock market, IPOs, etc., and that, I believe, can help to uh, kind of uh, temper whatever inflationary expectations in the market, in the economy, sorry. Can you, can you, are you hearing me or seeing me? Yes, I'm hearing oh, you and seeing okay. you. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not sure what the problem is. My thing, I have to keep my hand on the, on the touchpad because it seemed to be blinking out. Just started to happen. I'm not sure what is happening here. Okay. Strange. I don't know what's going on there. Yes. It's happening to you too? No, no. We're seeing you fine. We're hearing oh, you just I fine, see. but it I is see. shaking. Yeah. It is. 
Oh, okay. I, no, because I have my hand on the touchpad. I'm afraid to remove my finger from the touchpad. <laughs> move it. Let me see what happens. Uh, you move it? No, my hand is off, but twice the screen just went blank. Okay. Well, it okay. seems it fine it's, now. Yeah, it seems fine now. Yeah, I just kind of, maybe one of the cards wasn't plugged in. I don't know. But maybe. It seems fine now. All right. So go ahead. What What were you saying now? Go ahead okay, with yeah. what? Points right. you're making right so so i was saying that there are oh, there are several opportunities Here, here's what a, a, a declining market or uh the opportunities that are present in our market space now um yes uh, i believe that prices will rise on average uh in the latter part of 2022 uh based on indications several indications uh indications on the on the fisc on the on the monetary side from the u.s as well as oh it just happened from the u.s as well as jamaica as well as if you look at certain variables, certain indicators in our economy, uh, I believe that we are not going through the worst. As I don't think our economy is as bad as the US, that's one. Uh, there are several sectors in our economy that are doing quite well. It's when I'm speaking, you know, right? Um, yeah, that are doing quite well, that's one. Two, um, BOJ did not increase, the rate of increase did not increase the, the, the policy rate. Uh, this uh, this November December right and that is indicative of what might happen at least in the first quarter right so we can only hope that uh, if inflation is tempered then we may not see further increase uh, I believe also that um, our service sector based on BOJ and starting publications our service sector industry service sector is doing uh, particularly well uh, especially tourism or retail distributive our merchandising sector is doing well in fact I'm sure as they walk on the streets there's a quite a number of signs, even in the newspaper, of um, for job openings. Yeah, our agricultural sector is fairly buoyant and doing well. Yeah? There's a uh, resumption of production at Jamaica, which is a major foreign exchange earner, and as well as job creation. Uh, we also have remittances, which dipped somewhat in the latter part of the summer, but is expected to reach about three billion. Uh, we haven't, got, I'm not sure where I've gotten the final 2022 figures as yet, but that should hit $3 billion. So all these things are as well for our economy going forward. And if we're able to temper inflation, which so far it seems so, it's marginally up, but fairly tempered. I believe that we could see BOJ easing off increasing base rates. And therefore, we may not see further, well, I could, should say, we may not see further increase in interest rate in the in the in past to the economy of course again there's always a lag defect right to policy decisions so i expect financial institutions and they have indicated that they will be increasing rates it has begun somewhat and they'll be increasing rates further on various type of loans uh you know um etc business personal commercial etc so we expect that but at the same time the rate increase on deposits should also help to balance that out. So you heard John Jackson's take at the top of the show, and I see that he's still on behind the scenes listening to you keenly, uh, saying that he thinks 2023 is going to be a good year for the markets. We're going to start seeing some recovery. And you yes. probably also saw Stephen Jackson's article in the Gleaner as well, saying quite the opposite. 2023 is going to be a bad year. I want to hear where Clive comes in. I, okay. You know, you know, here's the thing. The numbers are the numbers. We all see the same numbers. But our experience, I think, is what guides how we think going forward. Eh? Um, I think, though, one, where are we coming from? My take on it is that there's also, we may say published occasionally, 
uh, business confidence index, consumer confidence index. And I think Jamaica are a little bit, every now and then it dips and flows. But I think overall, we, we are in a better space because two things. There's a renewed interest over the last four or so years in the stock market. Huh? We are seeing quite a few more listings in the last, I would say, two, three years. We are seeing significant jump in, in the number of listings. Last year, six. That's tremendously good for one year, for one section of the market. And we are seeing quite a few APOs and rights issue. One entity, about three or four over the last three years, you see. So I think there's a strong appetite for the stock market. Prices may recede, but again, as I said, even in a down market, I look at, I'll tell you what some of the opportunities are that I think sometimes psychologically we're not focused on, right? Where are we coming from? 10 years ago, interest rate was what? Roughly 17%. Going back, 20, 30%. I think business entities and significant number of the retail sector in, in, in investors, I think they're cognizant of where we are now compared to then. So I think once we can manage the space we are in now, I think confidence will not be defeated that much. You see? So all we need to see is the figures coming out from the BOJ, no increase in base rate. All we need to see is banks having that confidence that if there's no further increase in the base rate, if they can, um, business entities are still looking for capital, you know, whether loans are on the market, I think that can kind of turn the situation around. Right? Um, I'm, I'm optimistic that in the latter part of the year, we can see some opportunities. Now, well, the market will change its direction. Now, what are some of the opportunities, though, for the retail investors in the market space? One, um, even though the market is done, where's your portfolio? I looked at some of the figures of the movement in the indices over the last three years. Let me see if I can uh, look at some of these figures. Right? I mean, look at this. In 2020, between 2019 when the, the, the pandemic began, huh? by 2020, the market was down on average. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven indices. The main index that we're well aware of, the select, the select are the 15 most liquid securities, most trade, uh, traded securities. And they are indicative, indicative of the size of these companies, uh, the representation within the economic space, right? Um, the quality of these, the financials of these companies, why they are in the select. They are the most traded securities. Right? Uh, we have the junior market, which is fairly new, unique, and we have seen the performance of that and the value it brings to the market. And of course, we have the most recent, the financial index that is representative of the financial sector and the manufacturing and distribution. So I look at the main, uh, the, the select, the junior market, and the financial. So between 2019-2020, beginning of pandemic to 2020, the market on average was down probably about 23% across the seven indices. By 2021, it was slightly down, maybe gained about a 1%, down probably about 21 to 22%. By December 22, the average down part, um, decline in the, in the market was probably, I would say, just looking at these figures, averaging them, probably about 11% percentage points. So you can see from 2019 to 2020, uh, uh, the average indices down about 22%. 2021, probably down about 21%. By 2022, the end of 2022, the average indices from 2019 to 2022 was down on average about 11%. So there are some opportunities there. Of course, during that time period, huh, the junior market is what moved the indices. Uh, at the end of 2020, it was down about 21%. 
At the end of 2021, it was down. The junior market was up 2.37, nearly 2.4 percentage points. At the end of 22, the junior market was up 12.3%. This year alone, sorry, not this year, 2022, January, uh, December 31 to December 31, huh? the junior market index was up almost 14% percentage points. So there's some value there. The select index right, um, improved slightly also from 2020, down 23%, 2021, down about 21%. Uh, by 2022, it was down 9.7%. There's improvement there. This year alone, it, was, it is down probably about 11%, the select index, which represents the prime stocks in the market. So I think that that indicates to me that even though interest rate is, so, there's a strain on the financial sector in particular, I think this indicates to me that there's a general tempered optimism in the market. People are still holding. But also we have new players in the marketplace. We have brand new entrants, especially young people who are very eager. And with capital, the way I see some of these prices, especially if the newly listed securities moving um, on the market, granted a little over-enthusiastic, you know, we know, because some of them are overvalued. The financial sector, though, I think is what was impacted heavily by the interest rate regime. And here's why. Real productive companies like manufacturing and distribution, the just a, I'll just tell you to a very simple layman, um, you know, um, you know, explanation. Um, those are many companies, many financial. The balance sheet, what I recall, the balance sheet, assets are usually land, building, plant and machinery, work in progress, inventory, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, and these type of um, tangible, real assets. Yeah? In a financial institution, however, particularly a bank and investment houses, what are the assets? They are financial instruments. Now, there's a particular accounting slash economic relationship of uh, financial instruments and interest rate. And they, are, they work inversely. Huh? So as interest rate goes up, financial assets are hit. So banks are hit heavily. The bank of a balance sheet or the bank of, the, the, sorry, the balance sheet of any company, particularly financial institutions, which are regulated in terms of what they can invest in, how they invest in certain other adequacy ratios that they must maintain, right? If the balance sheet is unhealthy, the balance sheet is hit, not unhealthy, is hit, especially as interest rates rise. And their asset value is reduced significantly. It puts them in a very tenuous situation. So the ability to generate revenue in the following period is impacted by the balance sheet. So we know, so financial institution, the financial index, let me quote some figures here. 2020, it was down. The financial index was down between 2019 and 2020, beginning of pandemic to 2020, December, was down about 26 percentage points. By 2021, down about 29 percentage points. By 2022, it has improved somewhat, down about 12.3%. So even in that area, we saw some improvement. Of course, just this year alone, sorry, I mean 2022 year, December 31 to December 31, the financial index is down 41 percentage points. Wow. Because that rise in interest rate, which began probably about 2021, October, November, the significant rise in interest rate, mark to market, they would have to adjust the value of their assets significantly immediately, almost immediately. That, again, you know, each accounting period would impact their ability to generate revenue. So I'm just showing how interest rate can affect different sectors and therefore different index or different companies and therefore the various index in the market. Right now, here's the opportunity. Now, mm -hmm. opportunity, yes, yes. yes. tell me. Yes. Right, one in terms of portfolio, we always recommend think long term. Why 
it's a sensible thing to do and there are various reasons for it and how the market plays itself you realize that investing for the long term is a more sensible approach and generates a better return and there's another reason fluctuations in the marketplace you know um investing long term kind of level out the market in terms of fluctuations but what it means if you had uh given where the indices were assuming that your your the value of your portfolio represented a thousand dollars in 2020 right what would it represent today if the average index let's say the financial index is down um at 27 percent at the end of 2020 whatever it was at 2019 valued a hundred dollars right what would it value today if you had a portfolio financial index portfolio at the December 31 in 2022, 2021, December 31, what would it be valued at the end of December 2022 with a decline in the financial index of 41%, assuming you had a basket of financial stocks or any other stock? So what it presents to you now is the ability to reduce your average cost on your portfolio. Yeah, you can say your portfolio is down. Yes, it is down. It has lost value. But what do you do to mitigate that? You can begin to buy average in, we call it dollar cost average, you see, to reduce the average cost of your portfolio. So if your portfolio is valued $1,000 in 2019 or $1,000 uh, 2021 December, and it is now down 41%, if you buy, which means that you have lost $40 and it is now valued $60, you buy some of these depressed the, the stock stocks now at roughly $60 wherever they are, you would reduce the average cost on your portfolio. So when the market begins to turn, you're on a better stead. That's one. Two, realign portfolios. Hmm? As portfolio, as the index decline and the economy is in a tight space, whether global or locally, huh? um, you see new opportunities in the financial landscape. For example, we know during times of tightness in any economy, there are some stocks we call defensive stocks. Right? They are like, for example, food. Um, we know in the transport retail distributive, that got a, a, a big shot in the arm in 2020. You know, with the support of the government, etc. Right? Well, it depends. The retail, it depends on what section, right? But and then we know that there's no recovery of tourism. So you know, realign your portfolio. So if your portfolio is heavily weighted in financial stocks, you can you now realign it into the tourism slash entertainment sector. You can mm -hmm. now realign into other areas that are doing well. So reduce the average cost across the portfolio. Realign your portfolio. Let's look at um, low price bargain. There are some stocks that are trading way below well, value. Let me bring Keisha in. So I wanna, I'm really curious to hear what Keisha's thoughts are, especially on the international markets. Um, a lot has been going on. It was a, a bad year all around for all of us in all markets, basically. But what are, what are your what is your outlook for 2023 on the U.S. markets, Keisha? Well, I'd say probably U.S. and as general international markets I do believe, yes, it could be better from here because bottom. I don't see a bottom yet, but I think overall we would trend higher sometime this year. Um, largely coming because of China reopening. I think that's going to bring a lot of demand back into the, the global economy and what that would look like. There are a lot of talks about recession. I believe we could see one, albeit probably very mild, but we could see one before things start looking a little better. Um, I, I see what um, Clive has been saying. I do agree um, with John Jackson as well in terms of some of his outlook, in terms of, you know, we could be seeing greener pastures or slightly, you know, light green pastures, not bright, bright green, because 2022 was just such a bad year for a lot of financial assets. 
I do agree 2023 could pick up, but of course, you know, there are always risks on the horizon. We still have the war going on between Russia and Ukraine. That's still happening. Nothing has really resolved there. It's just that, you know, we've become somewhat used to hearing about it in the news. But I think one of the main game changers for this year is going to be that China reopening and the impact on the global economy from that, as well as what that will bring in terms of health. Can you mention that pharmaceuticals was one of the big performers last year internationally? Would that continue into this year, given that, you know, we have a potential resurgence, maybe not a lot of resurgence from a health perspective. Yeah, pharmaceuticals and energy were two major sectors in the United States last year, as you saw in market recap. Why do you think that was, Keisha, especially on the energy front? Uh, just coming from restricted supply coming out of Russia because of the war, that was one of the right. first. Then the sanction was just another whammy in terms of pushing up oil prices. Then, of course, just general demand because outside of key, a lot of trouble, people dri um, driving more, also the winter and what that does in terms of oil prices. All of those combined pushed up a lot of these energy companies. And that was the only sector of the U.S. market that was in the green for the year. I expect that may continue into this year because now we have Chinese China keep <laughs> so there's going to be demand coming from that region and impacting the global economy. So what do you think are going to be the hot sectors for 2023? It likely internationally again it yeah. may be energy for another year we, we could look more on defensive type companies or we're thinking about a recession so we're thinking here consumer staples so your retail your food they they generally hold up well with talking about possible um, recession and stuff like that also we think emerging markets because with china and also the fact that the fed would likely not be increasing interest rates as aggressively it means then that maybe the dollar the us dollar which is the main parameter for a lot of this discussion around emerging markets maybe that won't be strengthening as much so these emerging market economies can start picking up. So that's what we want to watch for as well. I'm thinking tech specifically, AI and robotics. I think AI uh, and robotics are going to be big in 2023. The thing with tech companies is the valuation. A lot of the tech companies, they ran up very quickly post-pandemic, um, which is 2020, like coming out where that V-shaped um, recovery in the stock market. A lot of it being driven by tech companies. And so a lot of them were overvalued a lot of them therefore took the biggest part of the hit last year yes um from a thematic perspective we could be looking at ai machine learning and looking at that going forward but still the broad tech sector as a whole still has a lot of challenge because the valuations still are high they come right. down but they're nowhere where they were pre-pandemic so we can see pockets of opportunities but we need to find the ai companies that still are attractively valued which be few and far in between because most mm. of the tech companies are overvalued. Mm. All right. Uh, before we go, I want to ask, do you guys have any specific stocks that you're looking at for this year? Clive, you first? Yes. Um, With a disclaimer, no, of course, that this is not investment advice. Right. Yes. Well, I will not. Well, let me tell you where, where one um, junior market is particularly IPOs. Hmm? And the market has a strong has always had a strong appetite for IPOs, but 
Interestingly, the IPOs that we have seen last year came to market at very fairly good valuation, uh, sound balance sheet, good PL, you know, and um, of course, we know raising capital and the tax break, what that does, right? So, that look for opportunities there. Um, the financial index, you know, there's going to be a strong recovery if interest rate either temper or begin to slowly ease down. There's going to be a very strong recovery. So in that field, look at that. Look for opportunities right there. As a matter of fact, um, look at Scotia continuously. It has a very he fairly healthy balance sheet, um, cash flow, etc. They continue to pay dividend. Dividend yield is very strong on many of these companies. So this is another opportunity. Dividend yields because of the lower prices are quite strong now. So if you look at what rate you are getting on your fixed income security, on your uh, term deposits or your savings or checking account in the bank, ask yourself, what is that interest? It's taxed at 25%. Uh, the dividend yield on stocks, yeah, what? Tax, capital gains is tax-free. Dividend yield is, ta is taxed at 15% on the, on the stock market. So the return is probably better in, in, on, the, on the stock market, on the potential return. So look for the junior market. Look for um, that still has good value, especially for newly listed securities. Uh, I'm talking over the next two to three, probably three to four years. Uh, look for IPOs. Um, I did some calculations, and assuming you have $100,000 and you apply in a whatever IPO, assuming that the allocation is between five and 10 percentage points, if these stocks move up 50 to 60% in the space of, let's say, four days, huh? With substantial liquidity in the space, you can easily, with your five or ten percent allocation, sell that, and the return you make on that tax-free capital gains is more than you'd have made on a hundred thousand deposited in the bank on a term paper for one year. That hundred thousand in the bank, perhaps getting two percent, three percent, would be taxed at twenty-five percent. That ten thousand shares you get, assuming a ten percent allotment in the IPO, and you get a 50% return on that. That is greater than what you would have received on the 100000 locked in for one year in that bank. Let's assume that we have six more listings, good quality listings, that has potential for growth. Coming to the market, raising capital, 10-year tax break, some tax break, 10 years. The put, and assuming, just like we have seen historically, 50, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70% uh, movement in price within a week's time, right? Consistently, you would have made substantial amount of money on that 5 to 10% allotment of shares. If you apply for 100, you get 5,000 or up to 10,000 shares, right? You would have made more return on that, tax-free return on that than you would have received on that 100,000 sitting in the bank, right? So look at that, but I'm not saying you should destroy your, 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 your portfolio and invest into single stock. We don't recommend that at all, right? What we're saying, judiciously, look at your account, look, uh, gather your cash, keep cash as a matter of fact, right? IPOs, a strategy you can use is that when you come into an IPO, you can realize lock in some of your gains, some of your cash. I think you should hold some for the long term, right? But put it, put it in an Excel spreadsheet and look at the potential return. And that way, I think you can recover quickly. But junior market and financial index, look at the movement in prices. Uh, again, realign the portfolio, reduce the average cost, look at IPOs, seek price bargain, look at cash flow through dividend yields, and invest in defensive securities.
Thanks, Clive. Keisha, any specific picks for you this year? on the IPOs. Because, Clive, mm. you know, if everybody follows this strategy, it's real, it's the real work. opportunity goes away. So <laughs> you, you need to present that as well because people will think, you know, IPO, I just lock my eye and make some money. But the more people that go after this one single strategy, mm -hmm. the less profitable it will be. And as you said, the IPOs alone are not a wealth creation strategy. You can't mm -hmm. just do IPO, lock your eye, and just keep repeating that because the opportunities will go away. You still need to focus on building a long-term portfolio if you're building wealth. Exactly. The IPO is quick money, but that opportunity may fizzle away. It's not something that's going to stay forever, right. especially as more people do the same strategy. Right, because to sell to get the thirty-five percent return, somebody has to be buying. So the greater fool has to be the one buying. Ah, why not? Why not? Before be the greater fool. Theory. I'm just selling to the guy. We just said a bigger idiot, but the greater fool is the one who would be buying yes. from you. So just want to make sure that's there. But in terms of those far or regional stocks, I look at internationally. One that I'm personally researching is. Amazon because they took a really big hit last year. From a tech company perspective, they have all of, um you were talking about as well, Kabila, in terms of AI capabilities and all of that coming in. So that's what I'm still in the, the midst of research um, to see if possibly it could be one of the, the bigger performers for this year. Okay, and John is still on. John, I'm going to ask you to put, if you're interested, to, to come back on because I forgot to ask you during your segment, um, what picks do you have for 2023? I know normally IC Insider does you know, a list, a forward-looking list for the year. I don't know if you've published that yet this year. I haven't been on your websites recently. Um, so do you have anything for this year that you're specifically looking at? Well, there are several stocks, um, both in the main market and in, in the junior market, um, that I think people should be focusing on. I, I hinted at some already, Caribbean producers, um, Dolphin Cove, um, Knoxford Express, um, Everything Fresh. Um, I, think, I think the possibility of Caribbean um, cream performing better Certainly, in the if not for last fiscal year, the, the fiscal year coming um, is is a possibility that could turn could turn out to be very lucrative if if everything goes well. Um, they're just a, the junior market is filled with. I mean, my top fifteen junior market stocks. The lowest one is a potential gain of three hundred and. 315 or 320 odd percent wow. potential growth um and i have stocks that are gonna that show that they could make 200 odd percent um gains or what have you that can't make make the top the top 15. That's, that's published already that's on icinsider.com that is going to be published today or tomorrow you'll see that but there are some in there are some preliminary things on the economy on the on the market the impact of interest rates on stocks, um, reflective ad charts, etc. So between now and the weekend, you should get a plethora. So we are publishing a top 15 for the junior market, and we're publishing a watch list for the junior market. It's the first time we are doing a watch list. And on the watch list, we have things like SOS. That was a top-performing stock last year. Um, but it can't. It's not likely to do, but it, it 
could do it, but based on our our projections, the indication that it won't make the top 15, but it, it could double or more than double again um, in 2023. So it, it's it's and they're all having a great a great time. Um, so it's it's look out for the list and and um, and, and and read the commentary because. You know, I, I hear the IPO story, but there are many people who are frustrated with, with, with the IPO because you apply for 100 or a million shares and you get very little. Um, when there are opportunities out there, one of the things, the feature of the market is that people sell off the, the existing stocks and buy IPOs. And in some cases, people would be better off buying some of the stocks that people are dumping um, because they're dumping them at depressed prices. And you could, by the time the IPO is over, um, the funds come back into the market and those stocks go back up in value. So that's one way of playing the market rather than going into the IPO itself. You'll probably make more money doing it that way. But, Thanks, John. Um, so we'll definitely look out for your list coming and up. I, and, I, and, I, and I go for the Scotia Bank. Sorry, the Scotia Bank. I think NCB could be turning around. There are a number of Jamaica broilers. There are a number of stocks in the main market that have long, medium to long-term prospects for tremendous growth. And I think the financial sector is one. The, the fact of the matter is the financial sector is making super profits from from spreading interest rates because rising interest right, rates mean right. that they make more money. Yes, um, yes they, they, they're picking up um, other comprehensive income losses, but that won't last forever. Um, I think this year is going to be a, a great year for the banks, um, mm -hmm. NCBs, and, and Scotiabank. Mm -hmm. They already start to show um, growth in profitability and growth in loans. If, if what I'm talking about with the economy takes place, and that's all indication is going to take place, there's going to be a tremendous room for lending. And so banks are going to make a lot of, of the opportunity to make a lot, lot of money. So the, the select index is another one that people can go because those, the, both the manufacturing and the financial select index fund have been depressed and people should 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 look at them as potential to buy and hold for a while. They'll, they'll pay off. Awesome. Thanks so much, John. Thanks, Clive. Keisha, stay on for just a sec. I see uh, Stefina saying, buy Kalila's investing for beginners masterclass and you'll receive an Excel sheet to analyze your investments. Indeed, it's now rebranded the Money Mission Masterclass. You can get it on my website at kalilareynolds.com slash masterclass. And Keisha has a boot camp coming up. Tell us all about it, Keisha. Right, right, right. So we have the Wealth Bootcamp starting this Thursday. Um, register for it, profitjumpstarter.com slash wealthbootcamp. We're going to be discussing what are some of the habits you need to pick up for 2023. Setting goals is one thing. Everybody set goals, weight loss goal, money goal, find a husband goal, find a house goal. What are the specific habits? the process, the systems that you need to implement to make those goals a reality. That's what we're going to be going through over that three-day period from January 12 to 14. Register on profitjumpstarter.com slash wealthbootcamp because I'm going to be leading the session with all of the strategies. We're focusing on strategies because every year everybody set goals and then by February, the goals get abandoned. What we want to ensure is that 
you are able to accomplish your goals. So we're focusing on the habits, the systems, the processes that you need to implement to build wealth, to better your finances, so that the goals become easy. The goals are easily achieved because you put the right structures in place. So if that's what you're looking to do, you're serious, you're ready to take action, join me at the Wealth Bootcamp, profitjumpstarter.com slash Wealth Bootcamp. Thank you, Kalila and Teeb. Awesome. We've got to put all these links in the description. So profitjumpstarter.com slash Wealth Bootcamp. Remember also to apply at pitchdeckja.com and check out icinsider.com for John's list. Uh, coming out later this week as well guys don't go away just yet after this very short break i'm going to give you some breaking money news regarding an ipo mm. this segment of taking stock the analysts was brought to you by jmmb group your best interest at heart Hey, moneymakers, you're not an official part of the family until you have your merch. Visit KalilaReynolds.com slash store to order your t-shirt and your mask today. Let's get this money. All right, so the breaking money news, some of you already know it because you've been commenting in the chat, which is how I became aware of it as well. And it's not a new IPO. The basis of allotment for Image Plus IPO is out. And let me just share it. It actually was published on the JSC's website around 7 o'clock this evening, so about an hour before the show started, this actually came out. And let's take a look at the basis of allotment for Image Plus. And you see all the reserve share applicants got 100% of what they applied for. And the general pool now got the first 10,000 shares and 35% of the balance, which is the best allocation that we've seen in quite some time for IPOs, probably all year for IPOs, because we've been seeing 10% allocation. You heard John mention it as well. That um, was it, John, or it might have been Clive talking about IPO strategy, and you can probably expect 10% allocation. Well, this allocation for Image Plus was 35%, which is pretty high based on what we've been seeing, especially for junior market and everybody else got 100% of their allocations. So what do we think about this? I see some mixed reviews in the chats. Let me see. Uh, LaVar said IPO alert. No, it was not IPO alert. Um, I want to take some of the comments about it. Uh, Devon says Apex allocation is a clear indication that buying IPO is no longer a strategy. Learn, Grow, Invest wanted to know if people are happy with the allocation. Because you guys have been complaining that the allotments are too small. Now here we have a large allotment. I complain again. <laughs> you know, you just have to remember that the allotments are, are basically a double-edged sword. So how does that work? Yeah, let me know in the comments what do you think about the allocation for Apex. And remember the timing for this IPO was kind of weird. It was like bang in the middle of the Christmas season. People were preoccupied. People spending their money on Christmas, retail investors anyway. It was oversubscribed by December 30 was the day I saw that announcement come out. I don't remember what date opened. So within a few days, it wasn't a one-minute IPO or even a one-day IPO, but it was still oversubscribed before the uh, listed close date, which would have been January, I think it was the 10th, which is today. What day today? Today, Tuesday? Um, but I know it was in January for sure. So it did close early. It was oversubscribed. But 35% is the allotment for the general public plus your first 10,000 shares. What do you guys think about this? Lushan saying 
only going up 30% apex. See how you guys have been so spoiled that 30% gain is, is seen as bad. Elaine says 30 to 50% gain is beautiful. Natoya said, I like it, not bad. And then Devon says, what a, what a comment gone from Devon. Uh, you should want small allocation, learn, grow, invest. As I like the allocation, They're, they clearly closed it sooner to ensure it was good. Roswell saying, persons are looking for a quick turnaround with IPO, more being allocated to key investors and public grabbing to buy when they're selling down to us. And Philip says that he's looking forward to seeing how Image Plus will trade. Image Plus and Apex are the same thing, guys. Image Plus is the company that owns Apex, in case you're a little bit confused. Oddly saying, darn, I'm late. You can always go back to the beginning, oddly, depending on what segment you wanted to see. Just scroll right through and watch from the beginning. So that is going to be our show for this week. Uh, let me see. Do we have any more comments? I think that's about it. Jackie says, I'm grateful. Kish said, we were exhausted by the time of the Apex IPO. That was the seventh for the year. <laughs> well, let's see what happens this year. What are the ones that you're hearing about? I know Blue Dot has some plans. I don't know if the plans are for 2023. Um, from what Laren told me in his interview earlier this year, they were looking at a two to three, if I remember correctly, two to three year time horizon before listing. So I don't know if that's coming this year. I did hear about one that is expected this year. I don't know if I have permission to say who it is yet, so I, I'm not going to say that until uh, I clear that with them. Maybe next week I can tell you. Um, at least put it out there as one that is expected because, you know, these timelines very often go a lot longer than the people that be, the parties that are involved would like it to take because of all the regulations and everything that has to be approved. There's a lot that goes into getting an IPO off the ground, which is why many times when they come out, you just hear, boom, IPO um, at the very last minute is when you start hearing about it. They can't promote it in advance. Um, who else have we been hearing about? What's that construction company called? Um, oh, I can't I remember it. It's a construction company that is expected to list possibly this year again. Um, what's the guy's name? Married to Ashley Ann Foster. Um, PMP guy. Can't remember. If anybody knows, let me know. Caramed is another one that uh, that could be coming out. George says he doesn't think it is. Arc. Yes. Thank you, Philip. Arc Manufacturing is the one that I have heard that should be coming out. Uh, this year, I've been seeing a lot of hype around that. What else have you guys heard? I should have written down a list. I don't know. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't say it uh, off the top of my head. I can't remember right now. It's late. What time now? Nine thirty. KRM. Would you consider doing an IPO in the future? Who knows? It's not in the plans right now, but you know, never say never. Uh, learn, grow, invest, as I know of another, not ARC. I heard another construction company. I saw somebody, I saw some people writing it in the comments earlier in the show as well. Uh, home Choice. Yes, that was the one that I saw people saying is expected this year. ARC, Home Choice, Caramed. Um, if you guys know, it's just rumors at this point. We know when we know. We know when the prospectus is published for sure. And... 
that's what we have to look forward to for 2023. Thanks for joining me for yet another amazing show. Producer, please update the links in the description box so people can just click away and go on that. You guys, subscribe to the newsletter at kalilareynolds.com slash newsletter to make sure you don't miss any of this information. The breaking money news, the IPO alerts, they come straight to your inbox as soon as we have them. I'm going to see you again next week. Oh, and I've been... Uh, reading learn grow invest comments quite a bit in the show and I, i'm so happy that you guys participate in the program every week and in two weeks when i'm in puerto rico they're going to be hosting the show it will be an lgi taking stock takeover yeah so look out for that in two weeks so that episode is gonna air january what date the 20 something the 24th Two weeks from tonight, you have an LGI takeover of taking stock. And I know they're going to do an awesome job. AS Bryden, another one that should be listing. That's the company that Seprod bought, Trinidadian company, also expected to list this year. Awesome, guys. See you again, same time, same place, next week for another awesome episode of Taking Stock. Until then, of course, I'm Kalila Reynolds. Let's get this money. This money. <laughs>